We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. You can open an account with Emprise Bank in less than five minutes, and the savings just start there. Emprise is a trusted partner with a variety of products and services to help you achieve your goals. Don't be tethered to a brick building. Start a meaningful relationship with a bank that has your best in mind. We did that with the KCSN draft guide. It was a fantastic decision. I still stay in touch with people at Emprise all the time. So uh, they're absolutely wonderful. Make sure if you're looking for your banking needs, give them a call. They're, they're my first call. And I tell you what, my first call, if I was in a bad situation, might be Maddie Lane. Find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. What's up? I, I think you're in a lot of trouble if I'm your first call. <laughs> Probably there's, Craig. There's I don't a jump very, to Craig there's first. very few situations where I should be your first call if you're in trouble. <laughs> And even those few, Craig, is probably a better first call than me. So on that note, Craig, tell us, how would you bail Kent out of trouble? You don't even know what kind of trouble he's in. You just know Kent's in trouble. What's your first move? Oh, man. Well, I'm probably telling him that I'm also of no help. Um, call BJ. That, that, <laughs> that's where I'm going to direct see, you. That's better than me because all I would do is say, okay, I'm going to Amazon you some hair gel and things will be good. <laughs> that's why you're better than me already. The Here, hair emergency. Here's some free weights. Try and get yourself out of this with brute force. <laughs> Usually works. Thanks. I want to know what kind of trouble I'm in. You're the one that doesn't said matter. it. That's doesn't the solution. Matter. Oh, that's that was everything I ever needed. Um, okay, so we have a game, and in trip typical fashion, Maddie's the one that came up with the game. So, Maddie, the floor is yours. Uh, okay, well, this isn't a game that has winners and losers, so that's good because Thank we all God. know that Craig wins it. 
and then I'm just I'm not participating, so I can't win or lose, and Kent loses for sure, 100% loses. Um, but there's no winners and losers this time, so we're saving Kent from losing at this game, like he would every other game we ever play. This one, it's June, right? Like it's still June. There's a long way until football starts. It's there's a long way until training camp starts. We're trying to buy some time, so in honor of buying time, we're gonna play a little buy sell and wait it out and we're going to relate these to some chiefs you know off-season narratives so each person's come out with three player-driven narratives about this team and the other two guys are going to buy sell and wait them out and we're going to talk about why that's the route we're going this game the rules may sound familiar for those of you over the age of 18 that's cool for those of you aren't it's a brand new game that you can play with your friends at school buy sell or wait it out Okay, you can only pick one of buy, sell, or wait for each narrative. So I will bring you uh, the three narratives. You will have to assign buy, you'll have to assign sell, and you'll have to assign wait to one of these. So here are my three narratives. Uh, we are going to go with Juan Thornhill as a surprise off-season standout. If you don't know, Adam Teicher wrote an article today. Shout out Adam Teicher. He, uh, every NFL team was supposed to, uh, assign, or he was like every NFL team writer was supposed to assign someone as a surprise standout for the offseason. He went with Juan Thornhill as the surprise standout for the offseason. Uh, I will also go with Justin Watson making the team, the wide receiver, and I will also go with Jarek McKinnon making the team. So, buy, sell, waited out those three narratives, Craig. I would like you to start. I don't know why. You're just okay. Okay. Well, I think that's a dumbbell stat. Sweet lead in. Yeah. Here's some free weights, buddy. Let's let's <laughs> let's brute force our way out of that segue. Um no, um our I'm gonna go with our buddy uh Peter Schrager on this one. Uh Peter Schrager cannot seem to shut up about Justin Watson right now. Like, seriously, like they're taught, there's a lot of conversation happening about the Kansas City Chiefs wideouts. He is spending a lot of time reminding people, hey, pay attention to 84, pay attention to him. Like, he's taking the top off of this defense. He's really gelling with Patrick Mahomes so far in the offseason. Pay attention to that man. We've talked a ton this offseason about how that you know they need some dudes that can play special teams especially on the offensive side of the ball he's going to be a special teamer i think he makes the squad so i am buying justin watson making this squad absolutely doing that maddie who's your buy buddy this sounds like a hard uh crypto buy-in about three years ago right now so you know very rich right now if i would have told one time (laughs) Um, okay, so my buy, I get the Justin Watson one, um, and I'll save kind of my take for that because he's spoiler. He's not my buy on this one. I got I got him for another spot. I'm gonna go with Jarek McKinnon making the team as my buy, and that might seem probably like the least likely out of this bunch. I think when Kent was spitting them out, I think would be the immediate reaction, but I think there's a reason that you bring Jarek McKinnon back mid-June. I think there's a reason that he comes back this late in the process. I think you saw him as the year went on and he got healthy and up to speed on the offense last year. He was the guy that got a lot of the important touches. I know other guys were dinged up, injured a little bit, but McKinnon arguably looked better than any other running back last year when the Chiefs offense was playing at its highest level. I just think that veteran level of leadership and the fact that he's the only proven pass protector 
and pass catcher of this entire running back group, I do think gives him a leg up. I think he's kind of locked in for one of the first three running back spots. I don't really see a way that you keep Gore or Pacheco and like a combo of Gore, Pacheco, Ronald Jones over him at this point in time. Like, I think he's kind of locked into that RB3 spot. I so badly want to buy what Adam Teicher is putting down. And I'll read what Teicher said. Thornhill is healthy perhaps for the first time since tearing his ACL uh, in his rookie year in 2009. It was impressive during offseason workouts. The Chiefs will ask for more, ask more of him now that Tyron Matthew is gone and Thornhill said he will respond with an all-pro season. I'm committed to doing that, he said. I so badly want to buy the Juan Thornhill hype because I love Juan Thornhill. I can't do it. I'm actually going to go with Craig on this one too. I think Justin Watson is making the team. That's shifted a lot for me. And the, the reason it shifted a lot for me is because of the special teams value. This guy has shown, so we're kind of looking a little bit d- deeper. He has shown an ability uh, and a willingness to play special teams. He has some special team snaps under his belt at prior stops. That's going to be his path to making the team. Am I overly excited about him in the prospects of him, you know, playing a, a sizable role on offense? No, but I think that he's done enough to show uh, you know, obviously the, the hype is just palpable right now for a Justin Watson. So I'm hyping, uh, I'm, 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 uh, buying the hype on Justin Watson making the team. Uh, real quick. I wanted to answer Grayson, uh, Jesper's question in the chat here. If Jarek McKinnon's locked to make the roster, who is most likely to make the team after Ronald Jones or Isaiah Pacheco, AKA Pacheeks, both my hot take is the chiefs keep four running backs, three tight ends. Craig and I talked about this on 21 questions last week. I think three tight ends. I think that makes more sense and keeping four running backs. So I think four running backs make it. I think Ronald Jones is just kind of locked into that or not Ronald Jones, but uh, Jarek McKinnon is locked into that RB three spot because of what he can do on third down. How are they keeping only three tight ends and four? Like what tight end are you getting rid of? No gray. Kent, you should listen to last week's 21 questions. My goodness. I guess guess we know how everything is working on the KCS inside of things. Kent's not listening to podcasts. Absolutely not. But yes, it was (laughs) letting Noah Gray go from the concept of this. I think Fortson showed more than he did last year. So if you want the instant impact of a tight end, also a guy that provides maybe a little different skill set and is a better blocker, it's Fortson. The things that Noah Gray does right now, I think you can replicate with a combination of Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, and even you know any other running back you have can do a lot of the same insert stuff, whether it's fullbacks and other halfbacks. Like, I don't think Noah Gray does anything that other guys on the team can't do. So why keep a fourth tight end when he's going to be an equal blocker to a wide receiver that's already going to be on the team anyway? I, I mean, Jody Fortson's coming off an Achilles. I don't he feel is. like... It, I think the big caveat was if Jody Fortson's healthy. Like that was yeah. what the caveat if, for that. If one. they keep if they keep four running backs, I'm gonna be furious. Yeah, they just it before it multiple times. Like this, I'd this, ra- would you rather have fullback? <laughs> okay, I don't have an I, issue with it. I, I I really don't have an issue with it. And I think since they've lost Kareem Hunt, who was the go-to bell cow RB one, Andy has thrown numbers at that position, and that's included adding guys throughout the year from the practice squad, like everywhere he's adding guys. He's talked continuously about needing bodies there. I think if you have this opportunity to know you're going to have these four guys, I just think you go with it. I All right, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw my sell out real quick in because this is just flowing in the conversation. (laughs) Sure. I'm selling Jarek McKinnon, and here's why. Hater. No, I I got good receipts on Jarek McKinnon. Um. I think Jarek McKinnon is going to get put on ice 
I think the Chiefs have signed Jarek McKinnon. He has had a hard time finding an opportunity in the National Football League. It took until June for him to sign. He came back to Kansas City because no one else valued, you know, his. He's either no one valued his player. No one thought he could hold up long enough. I don't think he can hold a lot, hold up long enough. So what I think the Chiefs are going to do is they're bringing him back. They're getting him involved. They're going to put him on the practice squad and they're going to put him on ice because he's already shown that no one's really particularly interested in keeping him around. And so they're going to, they're going to hold on. They're going to hold him until they need him as break glass in case of emergency or at a certain point. I think Jarek McKinnon plays on this football team, but I don't think he's on the initial 53 man roster. I think at some point down the right. So that's why I'm selling Jarek McKinnon. I think he's a long-term play later in the year, but they have him on ice on the practice squad. That's my sell. Yeah. Is that, that your sell too, Craig? Yeah, that's also my sell. And for the exact same reason, like I, I almost made him my wait and see just because that's the very definition of what Ken's talking about. <laughs> like, but you are, you're, you're selling him making the initial 53 and then you're just keeping him around. You're not going to see Jay Spiller in where he's on the roster, off the roster, on the roster, off the roster. I think that they could keep him there. I think that a guy like Isaiah Pacheco, I think, I think preseason is going to be uh, very telling with Isaiah Pacheco. Like if he comes out and he looks excellent, there's no way they can stash him. Period. So I, I think in that scenario, now all of a sudden you got to look at Jarek McKinnon and say well, it doesn't matter how good he looks. The NFL knows what they've got in Jarek McKinnon. They've kind of let him fall by the wayside. You know, definitely a vetman type of guy maybe the chiefs have a conversation with him and say you know we're gonna sell that which means my wait and see is juan thornhill um juan thornhill is one of my very favorite players on this defense both as a human being and as you know the way that he plays the game of football when he's healthy we haven't seen healthy juan thornhill since his rookie season and we are very far removed from that now this is the season that it needs to happen for him this is what they they they're expecting you know they let tyron matthew walk he is the veteran presence in that room he's the guy that's been there for spags's defense spags has not necessarily trusted him in those scenarios but time and time again he has clawed his way back into the starting lineup he's been the guy to play a bunch of snaps even if he didn't start that way in the season he earned his playing time back sometimes it took a lot longer than the rest of us wanted it to be but he did eventually earn it back if he can recapture some of that explosiveness, some of that athleticism. You can see him back to that rookie season where he could be an excellent safety for this team. So that's it, it really is just a wait and see because if he is healthy, my goodness, like he he is going to be once again a guy that we're talking about. It's like, okay, well, you got to pay that guy because he's that good. He's young. Like you you just got to do that, but you don't know what guy you're getting yet. In honor of defending my guy McKinnon, I'm going back to the chat to Grayson again. Why not wait and save Pacheeks for later in the year? Let a rookie get his feet wet by being on the practice squad, by not being the guy that you're having to rely on on third downs. I, Ronald Jones is not playing third downs. He can't. Mm -hmm. Clyde edwards helaire no. has not been trusted to play third downs. So all of a sudden, you're putting a seventh-round rookie out there to protect Patrick Mahomes' blindside versus pressures or to catch passes on third downs when he gets the ball. I don't think so. I think you start the year with McKinnon. Maybe if worse comes to worse, you're saving Pacheco for later in the year. And I think people kind of forget this. Jerick McKinnon played 37% of the special team snaps last year, despite missing some time. Like He was a special teams player. That's the only way I think you could edge him out of the team was if he didn't do that. But the fact that he does, 
That's why I feel comfortable locking him is because of the Pacheco, McKinnon, and then special team situation. I think Pacheco is the clear hair to that role. It's just, will it happen on week one? Eh. As for, I, go ahead. I, I just real quick pushback. I think you're risking four years of Isaiah Pacheco on one season of Jarek McKinnon, who's always hurt. And so they risked him for six and a half rounds. <laughs> Fair. <That's> true. <laughs> but if, if, if Jerry, I mean, this could be a moot point if Pacheco right. doesn't play well. And I, I think no. the thing I'm curious about is like, I don't know how much I, I feel like the, I feel like the McKinnon signing is more of just out of like, it came a bit. He, he, he finally is like, all right, uh, I don't really have any other better options rather than like something drastically changed because there's been a very small sample size of anything for the chiefs to evaluate. Maybe I don't that's... think anything changed. I think the chiefs had this say, Hey, we want you back, but this is going to be the price. If you can get better, go get it. He couldn't, then that's kind of to your point, but I don't think, I think the chiefs always wanted him back. If you look at how his usage went, but we can't spend this entire show just on your three guys. I just, move uh, before on. we get off of this, I just want to bring up this one thing. I'm out of here. Are we certain that they didn't get to OTAs, line up those running backs in the backfield, go like Maddie's saying there, going, we don't have a pass protector we trust, and looking at the group and going, what we've said multiple times this offseason, why are we keeping both Clyde and Rojo? Like, is are we certain that it's not Ronald Jones? Like, are we certain that they're not looking at that and going, eh, maybe that's not what we thought we we got no. out of this guy. And then we're going to keep sure. McKinnon and Pacheco. Like, yeah. maybe it's I'm absolutely not sure they didn't get to camp and be like, oh, none of these guys are showing that kind of knowledge of the system and the fluidity that we want on third downs, and that matters. Let's bring back a guy that we know already did. Like, I, I'm not saying that is happening, but I think it's I think it would be kind of silly to rule that out entirely given sure. what Clyde's usage has been how bad Ronald Jones has been in those situations, at least for Tampa Bay, not for the Chiefs yet, but in Tampa Bay and then Pacheco being a rookie. Like, I don't think we can throw that out the window. Yeah. yeah, I just also like, don't know if you've formulated a plan around a guy that hasn't been able to hold up super consistently. He's not the starter though. He's just playing a role, baby. It's true. true. Yeah. Same as last year. Anyways, I gotta, uh, I gotta, I gotta finish this out here. Um, yeah. We were talking Juan Thornhill before we went back to McKinnon, the 17-minute uh, Jarrett McKinnon discussion. Um, <laughs> my Juan Thornhill for me was actually my sell. Um, I don't, I don't even think I'm waiting and seeing here. I think I am selling Juan Thornhill being a standout, and maybe I'm going to nitpick over the word standout for all of this. I think he could get closer to back to his rookie year. I think Juan Thornhill in this system now playing next to a Justin Reed, not playing next to Tyron Matthew, who is fantastic, but maybe didn't always allow Juan Thornhill to always be where he was at the best. I think his utilization could be a little better this year, especially with some of the corners they've brought in and the way the defense may be going. Hopefully he's more confident in his athletic ability. I'm hoping you get closer to that rookie year Juan Thornhill but am I willing to go to standout yet? I don't think so. I think like at this point in time, I'm hoping for solid. Like I'm hoping for maybe solid plus. And I think that falls short to me of what I think of when I hear standout, like a solid plus safety in this league doesn't get talked about because that's just not a position where solid plus gets talked about. Standout says that's something that everyone's talking about. I would be a little surprised if Juan Thornhill hit that level in training camp, especially, but even as the year went on. All right, next narrative, I think. Are we I think we cleared everything up on that? Yeah. Um, ready just, for me? 
Quicklin, uh, quickly, uh, Watson, I'm waiting and seeing just because I want to see who else plays special teams. I just need to see oh, who yeah. else is out there playing special teams. If it's just Sky Moore and Marcus Kemp and Cornell Powell, yeah, I think there's a good chance he makes the team. But if they find a way to get some other guys out there to play special teams, I think it gets a lot harder. So, like, that's just why he's my wait and see. I don't know who's getting special teams run. Um, Craig, do you have your narratives locked and loaded? I do. I Ooh, do have my narratives. My narratives are the awards edition here. Mm. So we're going to run through this. The this first narrative, Chris Jones being a second team all pro or higher this season. Marquez Valdez Gantling making the pro bowl or George Karloftis winning the chiefs Mac Lee Hill award for the Ooh. best rookie this season maddie my friend i believe that makes you up first <laughs> oh th this is a this is an easy buy for me actually and it's not because i think it's locked in it's just it's the one i feel by far the most confident in uh george carloff this the math lee hill award winner i think he's the type of guy that wins that award i think you're gonna get 150 percent effort every single practice we've already heard about how he's going too hard during some of these OTA drills and stuff like that during these camps. I think he's the kind of guy that if you're going to vote an award like this, he's maximizing every single minute, every single second of every single team allowed activity they have that whether that translates onto the field the same way or not, I don't think matters. I just think when they go to vote on stuff like this, as long as he's a competent player, that off field work ethic and stuff like that is going to completely overweigh him into this award. I would love to really think there's someone else like Carl Othis has such an easy path to getting on the field and being just ex available. Like I don't see how he's any worse than Mike Dana right now is slotted as his competition to be a starter. So like, I don't see how he could be worse than that. I think there's gonna be a lot of playing time, a lot of that effort, that character. I think he's an easy lock for this award. If I was betting copy paste send for me on, on that in a lot of different ways. And I, I think, you know, even like, I don't know. If, it's not like a, it's not entirely about George Karloftis. I think if you look at like just kind of the totality of the roster as well, Sky Moore, really good player. I just think opportunity is going to be difficult for him because there's, I want to say there's a log jam. There's just a lot of guys in similar boats as him at the receiver position. So like, I think that's got to be, you know, be taken into consideration. Um, Brian Cook, I, I don't know if that's going to be, I mean, we just got done talking about one Thornhill too. opportunity there. Leo Chanel. Don't, I mean, I think he's going to be a sub player. And then I, I'd be stunned if any of the day three guys get it. So, yeah, I think George Karloftis is, you know, and, and Trent McDuffie, like, look, I, I I think he could, but I think George Karloftis is the guy that's going to, I think that George Karloftis is the guy that's going to be getting the most opportunities, most production in year one. I will say this. Last year, Nick Bolton won the Mac Lee Hill Award over Creed Humphrey who some people thought should have been nominated for the All-Pro, had all sorts of accolades. Nick Bolton was the guy who won it last year. So I am actually going to stash that one for one of my later picks. I'm buying Marquez Valdez-Scantling making the Pro Bowl. Wow. I, I think that the Chiefs are still going to need that vertical element, as we know. We know that he can take that. We know that he's got that ability. We also know that he does a lot of the little things. I think that this offense is going to be very effective. And I think we're going to see a lot of focus placed on the fact that Patrick Mahomes 
is making something out of these receivers. You know, the, the general narrative early in the season is going to be, oh, you know, this group of receivers isn't much of anything. And then you're going to start to see the pushback. You're, you're kind of already seeing it a little bit here. It's like they're they're not devoid of things. Like Juju's there and MVS is there. And all. like we're starting to see some of that. And I think the MVS is going to get a lot of early targets. I think Juju is as well. But I think MVSs are going to be a lot more electric. Like they're going to be some of that vertical stuff. You're going to see touchdowns out of him. You're going to see him going up and making some big snags, you know, across the middle of the field. And you're going to see him take some of this shorter stuff and break some tackles, convert some stuff, fall forward for more extra yardage, close out some games. So I think that he's going to get enough hype early on, and especially with people trying to take Patrick Mahomes down a peck. We see it every single year looking at it. It's like, well, now he's got... Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, blah, blah. We're going to hear that this year, too. Well, he's actually got this guy and this guy and this guy. And I think that's naturally going to buoy, you know, MVS into this Pro Bowl role. So I am buying that 100% this year. So, okay. MVS making the Pro Bowl is my wait and see. Um, and I think it's going to tie into one of my points. But, like, the big thing is I want to see what this offense starts to look like. You're getting – we've gotten a hard press from Andy specifically about Marquez Valdez-Scantling as the person and then his football character. It hasn't necessarily been entirely about on the field, and I don't think that's purposeful that it hasn't. It's just you can tell Andy likes the person that he is and how he treats the game of football. So there is definitely some hype there. I just want to see what it looks like. I think – It'll be interesting to see a guy that is known as a big play receiver come to a team that has another guy that's known as a big play receiver in McCole Hardman and how they split up getting those big plays, those big dynamic plays. Is there enough going around for both of them to be productive at the level that would take for either one of them to make the Pro Bowl, if that makes sense? Obviously, Tyreek Kill could, but he could do a lot more than MBS. So like now you have McCole Hardman and MBS sharing not necessarily the same route tree, but the same type of player, this over the top or at the line of scrimmage kind of receiver. Where does that stat, where does that production level go? If you're having to split it between two guys that are relatively equal in terms of talent, where they are right now in their careers. Look, I'll, I'll give you my cell in a second, but first I got to give you some trade. Uh, it's actually trade coffee. They connect customers to the freshest and best-selling coffee, best-tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. So whether your friends call you a coffee snob or you just know it when coffee tastes really perfect, trades real coffee experts personally taste test over 450 roasts so they know exactly what to recommend for you because the truth of it is what i like and what and what you like could be totally different you would like a selection of specific copies that are different from anything else that i would you know like so um right now trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 dollars off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com kcsn that's more than 40 cups of coffee for free Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash KCSN and let trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off. You will not regret it. I promise you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My cell is MVS in this Pro Bowl. I just don't think that there's enough opportunity for him to earn, um, you know, a, a Pro Bowl accolade. I mean, I'm looking at the wide receivers. I mean, like what? Like, look. I mean, we got we got Tyree Kill, Hunter Renfro, Stephon Diggs, Deontay Johnson. I don't think even like from a popularity perspective, Deontay Johnson a little bit iffy, but I'm guessing Deontay Johnson was a late add to that receiving group. He was probably an alternate. MVS's only hope is sneaking in as an alternate because I just don't think the volume is going to be there. I don't think the popularity is going to be there either. You know, I he's always been a very high variance type guy, and I think he's going to continue to be uh, a, a relatively high variance guy. Maybe it kind of evens out a little bit week over week, but there's still so many targets that are going to go to a guy like Travis Kelsey. Like he's never going to be the primary option. I know the ball's getting spread around, but that's also a negative for MVS too. I think that's a that's the downside. You're taking I'm same thing we're talking about with Sky Moore and his ability to to you know to crack the Mackley Hill Award winner. Like opportunity's got to present itself. And I just don't see anyone really just grabbing the bull by the horns and separating themselves in the receiver group, especially because Travis Kelsey's still there and he's always going to be a primary target. Yeah. I, I mean, I I get it. I get it. I just have a lot more faith. In Mahomes, you know, uh, he came at a ton of praise from Defense all that. Guy. So, I mean, listen, the guy that I'm selling here is Carl Loftus, actually, and Ooh. I, I think that I, I think that George Carl Loftus is going to have a fantastic year. I think that we're going to be looking back at that pick and going, man, that really worked out that the Chiefs were able to get him or they got him. But that Mac Lee Hill award pick has almost always gone to the player selected first went to nick bolton over creed humphrey it went to mccall hardman over juan thornhill like we we have seen this time and time again it went to clyde edwards Hilaire. it doesn't seem to matter who it is it's about the guy that's selected first and i think the trent mcduffie is going to be very good in steve spagnuolo's scheme i think you're going to see a lot of positives from him all season long if he comes down with 
three, four, five picks, five would be outstanding, but three or four picks on the season, I think all of a sudden he's almost a shoe in because he's the guy that was taken first. He was the guy that they moved up for. He's certainly wired the right way as well. I mean, it's, you know, all the things that Maddie said about Karloftis are true, are absolutely true. They also go for Trent McDuffie. He's still a hard worker. He's still a guy that's going to be there and is going to really endear himself to the coaches and the players as well. I just see him performing enough to where they're going to look at him and go, hey, he might be our best corner, whereas George Karloftis might be our second or third best pass rusher along that defensive line, which is still good, but that might give him the nod on the Mackley Hill Award. You know who else won the award? Andrew Wiley. Not That's true. the Chiefs first traffic. Um, so I think this is a good What year was that? Yeah, <laughs> that was 2018. I don't, 2018. I don't know that we need to talk about that. I, <laughs> okay. It's a little bit relevant. Just a little bit. Um, okay, I, so this this oh, is an open so much to choose from that year. <laughs> we have not talked about Chris Jones yet, and that means both of you were waiting to see. My pushback: What's there to wait and see? There's nothing to wait and see. You're either buying or selling. Nothing's going to be new or different for him that you were going to be able to like wait and see on. He's either going to be a second team All Pro or not. Like I don't know what we're waiting to see with him. I think you have to choose buy or you have to choose sell. He's the one of these three options that. I quite simply don't see how you can do that. So for that reason, I sold Chris Jones being to that point because I just don't know what I'm waiting to see. I think he's going to play at the same level he always has. The issue he's going to run into this year, there's nobody else to take focus off of him. Nobody. Everyone knows Frank Clark is not the same guy. It's no longer going to be Chris Jones and Frank Clark. It's just Chris Jones and guys, just guys. So like he's going to get all of the attention is he going to all of a sudden start stepping up and overtaking all that? I think we're kind of past the point of mystery with him. So like, what are you guys waiting to see with him to believe if you want to buy into this or not buy into this? I I look at this as almost, this is kind of like a contract year for me with him, because like, I think this is such a crucial year for his, you know, like if he wants to get a, another sizable contract, I don't know if it's going to be in Kansas city, but I think this could be a position where, you know, like we talk about him, he potentially, if, if he has a solid season, the Chiefs might be able to get a decent asset out of him. And I think he probably knows that too. Like this is a pretty big, you know, year for him in his, his, you know, second wave of his career. And so I think, you know, you're going to get a very focused version of Chris Jones this season. And I think because of that, um, you know, I, I, I Contract years undefeated, but like I think, I think this you, you're gonna find out what the second, like the second act of his career is like, and that's kind of why I look at it as like a wait and see. It's just, this is defining for him, and and I think he knows that too. My wait and see for Chris Jones is less about him and more about having that extra half second. Half second is too long. Quarter of a second that he's going to get by this by this secondary potentially being better overall. So that's what my wait and see is. I think that Chris Jones is going to be capable of landing more sacks, landing more pressures, having a bigger impact on the game if he gets that extra beat. And I know that that's you know, the most no-brainer thing in the world, obviously. Pass rushers need time to rush the passer. But we saw last year, there was a lot of stuff that Chris Jones did where he got there just after. Like, lots of pressures are him landing hits on the quarterback not just being in the face of the quarterback but landing hits on the quarterback right after the ball's out of his hands 
We have talked a lot about this secondary, about how they reshaped it and remade it. I think we're going to see a lot more too high structures. I think we're going to see a lot of stuff. Go go read KCSN Daily, the articles that I'm... I wrote 2,000 words on just like half of Cover 7 today. So go go read that. But I, I think that we're going to see more diverse schemes. We're going to see more stuff out of this younger secondary that's going to be able to confuse the offense a little bit more. That's going to be able to shore up the back end of the defense a little bit more, which is going to give that little extra time to rush the passer. I'm not saying that a bunch of other guys are going to be able to get there first. I think that's going to specifically help Chris Jones. I think we could see that sack number jump just because once again, a lot of those pressures, a lot of those things that are happening were bam, bam plays where he's hitting the quarterback. Those turn into sacks. Now all of a sudden you're looking at the defensive tackle group and you're saying, well, it's Aaron Donald. And then who else? If Chris Jones has double digit sacks, it's Chris Jones period. Like that's who it typically is. They, they favor sacks. I can see him collecting double digit sacks, a little better secondary play. Yeah. It, I, I see where you're coming from with that. I guess it's the tricky part is like what he's made second team all pro or better three out of the last four years. So like he's kind of been, and all pro teams especially are almost work on like a grandfather kind of clause. Like once you bit, get in yeah. there, especially more than once, it's hard for someone to overtake you. I just think this might be the year where you see a slight dip in his stats again. Like he's been hovering right around nine sacks per year around the same number, you know, right around 10 tackles for loss. If that all of a sudden drops, if he plays a full year to, you know, seven and seven, like, is that enough with you having some defensive tackle? I don't know. I'm just going to sell it for now. I just, I don't know if I need to see any more to decide yes or no. I have more confidence in Carl Loftus being named the rookie of the year than him definitely holding off a lot of this young Justin Simmons is coming for him. Justin Simmons is coming. Tennessee Titans, Justin Simmons is coming. He's coming. All right. Buy, sell, or wait. Matthew, it's your turn. All right. Nick Bolton plays linebacker at a Pro Bowl level. Now, why this might seem a little lofty is because Pro Bowl level for a linebacker. But Nick Bolton led linebackers last year, not even just rookies, but linebackers and tackles for loss. That's a stat that matters. That's a stat that matters to fans for voting on stuff like this. So we're saying Nick Bolton plays at a Pro Bowl level now that he's moved into the starter, a leadership role on this on this defense. Two, Juju Smith-Schuster. This is why I had to you know, also talk about the MVS thing. Leads the team or wide receivers and targets, catches, yards, and touchdowns. I think there's a reason you don't hear a lot of the coaches about Juju Smith-Schuster. He leads the wide receiver room in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. And, and touches all four. He's their leading receiver across all four stats that like really, really matter. And finally, Andrew Wiley wins the starting right tackle job at the beginning of the year. Those are the three. Those are the three. I, I don't even know if a lot of these are carrying a ton of offseason hype right now, but I can give you the logic for each one of them. I, I Juju specifically, I think he's kind of being held under the Chiefs are kind of keeping him quote unquote under wraps. I think there's a reason you're getting a lot of McColl, a lot of MVS, a lot of everybody else, and not a lot of Juju for certain things. So I, I think that's the sneaky one. I like how the game is off-season nar- narratives and Maddie just invented three off-season narratives that I haven't heard a single I love it. thing about. I, think, well, I love it. 
I think Nick Bolton and Andrew Wiley certainly count as true offseason narratives. Yes. Both of those are yes. actually 100% true. Uh, the Juju Ju- and one, Juju is uh, definitely an offseason narrative because they're keeping him quiet and they're putting him on the podium all the time still, too. Uh, it's I very think, weird. Yeah, here, go talk, is, but coaches I, and quarterbacks won't talk about him. Maddie no. answer. <laughs> I'm calling I'm cl- I'm calling that answer. I'll still answer I'm, it. This is a fan this I it might not be all narratives uh but it's fantastic and I'm stressing really hard about it because I feel like I could make a case for all three as See this is just him buying time. That's why he criticized your your questions about it. He's no. just buying time. Pick no. up a barbell, Kent. I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to buy Nick Bolton playing at a line, at a pro bowl level. I think that's the one I'm going to buy. And, you know, the opportunity is going to present itself. It does seem like the pri- like we, Derek Johnson talking like this seems like one of the primary focuses is coverage for Nick Bolton. That's one of the things that can really help him get more continued opportunities to be on the field. And he still played plenty of snaps last year and certain, still earned plenty of those tackles, which is obviously a key benchmark when people are looking at the Pro Bowl. I think that, you know, if just you know improvements in coverage will give him more chances to, to, to see the field even more often and the volume will come. And I think that could really help separate him from some of the other linebackers in the AFC. So I am buying Nick Bolton at a Pro Bowl level. I am buying Andrew Wiley starting the year at right tackle. And Andy Reid wants veterans out there. Andy Reid wants to ease these guys in. I do think that Darian Kennard and Lucas Niang are going to have every opportunity to win that as the season goes along. I think we might see some shifting there. But Andrew Wiley... Looks great, first of all. Has really done a good job shaping his body this season. All, all of those offensive linemen really have. I think they're they're keeping him around for the sole reason that they know that he can play lots of spots on that offensive line. And that if somebody comes in and they replace him, you know, Darian Kennard comes in there, wins that job. Andrew Wiley's still going to stay ready. Like he's been here before. He knows the drill. And so I think that they'll do that just to keep Mahomes, you know, comfortable, especially easing into a whole bunch of new offensive weapons and everything like that, and potentially some new scheme and everything. So Andrew Wiley makes sense because he's been there. He understands the cadence. He knows what's going on. Ease the ease the rookie into the role eventually here, knowing full well he's a day three guy. You're just gonna kind of Bring him along slowly and then see what you got a little bit later in the year. All right. So I think that means we're all buying different things. I'm buying Juju Smith-Schuster leads the team in all those categories. I don't, the only one I think that's even up for grabs is yards. That's the only one that I think is even up for grabs. (laughs) Really? I'm surprised if I removed yards, you guys wouldn't be jumping on buying that actually. Like I do not see without yards, how it's even a question. That's why I specifically put it in there. I'm still going to take them. I still think there's going to be enough targets, enough receptions, enough after the catch, enough of the offense will funnel through him as the very clear number two option for this passing game that he will put up more yards in the board dynamic players. I talked about it a little bit with MVS for being my guy for, you know, not buying him making the pro bowl. I think a lot of those dynamic plays are going to be split between Hardman MVS and sky Moore. Like I think a lot of that stuff is going to be shared around those guys on the deep stuff. So I might not be shocked if you don't have a, one of these vertical, you know, field stretchers going for 900 yards, going for even, you know, that close to a thousand yards, because all of them are going to get some of those vertical opportunities. Whereas Juju's the very clear cut best 
big physical underneath to intermediate receiver of the bunch. Like he's heads and tails above everybody else. I just think that he's going to have the most opportunities to get those yards because he's going to have the most targets bar none, the most receptions probably having better hands than the majority of the other guys besides Sky Moore that are proven. And he's been really good in the red zone throughout his career. So like, I actually felt, I feel pretty confident about taking that one. The only thing that makes me slightly timid was the yards. But the more I thought about it, I think his area where he operates is the least contested of all other opportunities. I think for me, it's tricky to call to, to for the clean sweep. Like yeah. if you had said, I, I think touchdowns is a little fickle too. Like I think it's that's too, the one that that's the that's one, that the I, one I was the to. most Who's challenging him. MVS. I think MVS has got a shot for it. And, and like, we'll see what kind of like, we'll just see what kind of touchdown production they get out of the wide receiver group too. Like if it's going to be as spread out as you think, like you've still got Travis Kelsey there. You still got the backs. Like I don't, I think the touchdown production could be fickle enough. And honestly, I think Juju Smith. I mean, Juju Smith's probably not a threat to score like big explosive plays. It's going to have to be red zone touchdowns. Like I think that's too fickle of a statistic for me to be all in on. And I don't know if like I mean, even year over year, I'm looking at his stats. Like I know he did, he had zero last year. He's broke nine. He's broke he's broke eight once in his career. He had zero, seven, three, nine, and nine. So he did have a lot of early production from the from a touchdown perspective, but really hasn't since. It's been pretty fickle, and I don't know if I trust that. Deontay Johnson had more touchdowns than him one year. So five. No three. other Chiefs receiver has scored more than those seven touchdowns in a year, by the yes, way. Like fair. If you're looking at the years yeah. where he's actually played a full season, no other Chiefs receiver has touched those numbers of seven. And Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't think, has played on an offense this prolific with the kind of options that Patrick Mahomes will have. Ooh, the Steelers have a good receiving room. I don't know. I don't care. They, they Travis do. Kelsey no, is the best receiver in football. <laughs> okay. Travis okay. Kelsey is so the best receiver. Are you selling that one or waiting to see? I'm selling it. Okay. Buy. Yeah. Too many. There's I'm too many numbers. That's too many numbers across the board to be buying. Like that's just a very. That's a, lot. That's a big parlay a right there. I wonder what the parlay would be on that. Oh, we should Boy. find out. Well, I, I kind of want to throw some money on that now. Yeah, me too. Hmm. Hmm. I'm selling that one as well. Um. I, I think he's a lock for targets and receptions, to be clear. I think he's an absolute lock to lead the receivers and tar targets and receptions. I, the yards, for the same reason that Maddie talked about, the touchdown element of that. When have we seen Andy Reid really utilize like that, that sort of big body post up, you know, intermediate stuff in the red zone. Like, and part of that may be that he hasn't felt comfortable doing that. Like even with Travis Kelsey, there's a lot of times that we're like, Hey, give that man the ball in the red zone, please. And, and they refuse to do that. It tends to be a lot more gimmick. I can see McCall Hardman in the red zone, getting just as many touchdowns as Juju Smith-Schuster in this offense, just because I know how they're going to use McCall Hardman in the red zone. So I, I can see him getting some of those and contending for those red zone ones. And so then I'm with, you know, Kent here where I just, I don't see the explosive plays out of him. Now I can definitely see targets and receptions. I'm actually more comfortable with yards than I am, you know, with, you know, the touchdowns there. I just think that that's going to be tough for him in this offense the way that Andy likes to get the ball to his running backs the gimmicky stuff that he likes to do on the in the red zone especially on the goal line I just don't know that Juju is going to get those same touches that he did in Pittsburgh in those sorts of situations 
my counterpoint is his red zone success is a lot on gimmicky stuff or yards after like run after the catch and out of the slot, like the areas where Tyree kill was used in the red zone. Like that Mm -hmm. would be my only counter to that is I think Juju fits some of those better than maybe McColl. Like when you're talking about not into rounds, but I short area, short area stuff. If you're throwing a guy behind the line of scrimmage in the red zone, that's fair. I mean, Juju is tough out there. Throw him on the little skate route, the little arena league skate route where you motion him underneath the guy and then throw that little dart down, let him dive. I mean, there's some stuff they can definitely the Josh Gordon use. touchdown. That's what yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about. The Josh Gordon touchdown. That's what they were on that. Yeah, and yeah, I get it. I went with all four because I had to make it a little bit a little bit harder. Yeah. I I was intrigued though that it was the touchdowns that got a little pushback because I I look at this receiving group and like I think that one I feel decently comfortable with compared to the yards. Um, so you guys both sold Juju Smith Schuster. You guys bought different things. My sell on this one. I think it's going to be Nick Bolton plays at the Pro Bowl level, and that's only because of the way how voting works. I'm kind of mad, Maddie answering my own question. It's unfair. I know, but there's a reason. I have to wait and see on Andrew Wiley, right? That has to be my wait and see because I got to see some stuff. So my selling is Nick Bolton at a Pro Bowl level because Darius Leonard's locked into a Pro Bowl vote. Very similar to how I said all pro you get grandfathered in, Pro Bowl's even worse. Fans only remember what fans want to remember. Darius Leonard's locked in. Are you really going to get more than one more inside linebacker out of the AFC? And you're starting to get a crowded position now. He's got to beat out all these young other athletic guys that are getting a lot of pub. Like Tremaine Edmonds missed it last year, but he made it the two years prior. Is Nick Bolton going to be so much better than Edmonds, who has more name value because he's been in the league? People know who he is because he had a big draft story. I think it's going to be hard for him. And then you have some young guys. I think it's going to be hard for him to make specifically the Pro Bowl the way it works. That's the only reason I think I'm going to have to sell it. Whether or not he plays to where he should or should not go as good as the guy makes it, that's going to be a lot more subjective, and I think he'll be close. It's just when you start to think about the other linebackers, I know it's not split AFC-NFC anymore, but they seem to still holding pretty much do two and two, it seems like, unless it's very clear. I think it's going to be hard for him to kind of make it, and then you have to worry about outside linebackers leaking in, like Micah Parsons making it as an inside linebacker last year. Like, it gets tricky to start to, you know, figure out Pro Bowl voting, I think, especially this far out. Well, I think that makes the wait and see for me, uh, Andrew Wiley. And I think Same. you can make I think you could make a really, really strong case that it's a buy. Um, I just I t- I will say the one counteract that I heard to Craig's point earlier. I mean, the Chiefs started two rookies last year. They did. They essentially but... started three on the same side. I mean, if we want to count Lucas Niang too, like yeah. they, you know, and so that's the only feedback I have. But at the same time, I really like Darian Kennard. I think he winds up starting at some point in the year. I don't think anybody's supplanting Andrew Wiley because he played admirably. He played well enough that if you start Andrew Wiley that week, you've got your same exact five offensive line from the previous year. Um, from the end of the previous year rolling into the next season that continuity is extremely valuable that helps you get off hot um yeah maybe there's one carryover you know one position that you don't carry over but yeah i I, i'm i I wait and see on andrew wiley but i think you could even make a really strong case that it's a buy i my wait and see is nick bolton and it's got less to do with Nick Bolton than it does with the rest of the defense gelling. Um, I can see Nick Bolton playing really well. DJ talked about how, you know, he 
he is ahead of where DJ was at this point in his career mentally. Like he's got it figured out and he knows what he's doing. He knows how to operate the green dot. I'd go back and listen to that podcast. It's great to listen to him talk about the things that you have to be on top of as the Mike linebacker, as the green dot. And he says, Nick Bolton is ready for that. So that's going to be good because he's going to walk into a room that that has to happen. He has to be the loudest voice and he is ready for that. But the counterpoint to that is if the defense starts slow, as Steve Spagnuolo defenses have with veteran groups, not let alone, you know, brand new style, you know, players here. If he starts slow, the defense does for the first six or seven games. It doesn't matter how good Nick Bolton will play. There will be people that will look at this team right or wrong and will say, listen, the only reason this team is winning games is because Patrick Mahomes and the offense, like they always do, and they're going to just continue to discredit the defense, which will kind of shove Nick Bolton a little bit further down the totem pole, even if he's playing at that Pro Bowl level, just because that's the way that people paint, especially the Pro Bowl for that regard. So I do think he's going to have a great season. I think he's going to play behind the line of scrimmage a lot because as a Mike, he looked even better than we got to see him look as a Will linebacker last year. I think he's ready for the role. I think he's going to be very good, especially at the end of the year. I think that that he's going to just be rock solid. Like I think that's going to be a great, great season for him. I just think that the way the defense starts is going to potentially hurt him when it comes time for Pro Bowl bowling. I get that. I think waiting to see based on just how the Chiefs defense going to play matters because I think we are a little bit past the point to where you can just collect, you know, the second most tackles in the NFL on a bad defense and make the Pro Bowl. I think Mm -hmm. fans or the ability to get more advanced stats have shown up and have taken that away. So if the Chiefs defense isn't good, despite him putting up great numbers, if they're one of the worst five defenses in the NFL, I don't know if that equates to a Pro Bowl vote anymore, just based purely on the statistics like it did five, six, seven years ago. Like I think that's a pretty good wait and see. My wait and see, like Candace Wiley, I think the Chiefs want it to be Lucas Niang. If he's healthy, I think he hmm. gets every single opportunity to lose that job. I think it's his to lose if healthy. Let's say he's not healthy. I still want to see at camp who looks better between Andrew Wiley Darian Kennard, and then whatever Lucas Niang is bringing. Like the Chiefs, I think it's Lucas Niang's to lose, but I also think they've done a pretty good job of playing the best five. It was obvious last year Creed Humphrey won the starting job before they even got to training camp. <laughs> it was very clear that Trey Smith was their best right guard one day into training camp. And guess who won the job by like the end of the first, you know, week of training camp? Trey Smith. They will put their best five guys out there. It'll be interesting. It'll be worth noting who's the first left tackle to play if Orlando Brown isn't there. Or if we're, who's the left tackle when they go to their second team? Who's getting those cross reps? Who's starting? Like who looks the best? Whoever looks the best come, you know, the last week of training camp at right tackle, I would place my money on being the starter. And I think offensive line is one of those few positions where you kind of can get a pretty good idea in camp who does look the best. Those guys do enough pass protection drills, which is what's going to matter. They do enough stuff there to where you can kind of figure out who you think looks the best. So I kind of got to wait for that right tackle spot. I do need to wait. If I were to bet though, it would be Wiley. I would place my bet on Andrew Wiley right now. So like you guys said, very close to a buyer like Craig did. He bought it. I just, I got to see what Lucas Neang's health looks like. And then what Kennard looks like at this level before I'm willing to go all in. 
All right, that's going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Maddie for coming up with this wonderful game. It was a lot of fun. We turned that into 51 minutes. We turned three rounds of that into 51 minutes of content. That is the Great. least surprising. I'm buying that fact. Buy okay. a kettlebell. We'll catch you later.